the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you got to choose, if you were gonna, if you were gonna start a new nation, and you had to pick a couple, who are you gonna pick to start this new nation? I can just see God explaining this whole thing to the angels, and He says, "You know what? I think I want to start a new nation. We got all those people down there, but I want to start a new people, a new nation." And the angels go, "Oh God, that's a good idea. Who, who are you gonna pick?" He says, "I want to pick a couple," and the angels go, well, "Who are you gonna pick?" I think I'm going to pick, oh yeah, that couple over there. And the angels look over there and they go, you mean the couple with the walker? And God says, yes, that's the couple I want to start this whole thing with. Good evening. I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. This is week number two. We just started last week a new series called The Story. And we're preaching through the entire Bible, starting with creation all the way to the book of Revelation. It's going to take us 35 weeks to get through it. And every week you come to church, we're going to give you four of the most major events that happen in that particular time period. Now just I'm not going to be able to do this very often, but last week, since it was the first week, we started with creation. That was the first thing we looked at. Talked a little bit about evolution, a little bit about creation. I did see a, a bumper sticker that read, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke and bang, it was there. So uh, <laughs> I kind of like that. We talked about the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning God. And if you can believe the first four words of the Bible, that you can believe the rest of the Bible. Word number five was the word created, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So we looked at creation. Number two, we looked at procreation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, in that creation process that God created male and female. And he gave them the instructions to populate the earth. And so we looked at that, and uh, as God created over those six days, everything was good, everything was good, everything was good, everything was good. After he created man and woman, it was very good. Number three was temptation, where sin enters the world. Uh, Through the serpent, he tempts Adam, he tempts Eve, and when sin entered the world, everything that was good, everything that was very good, Satan was trying to destroy 
And then we concluded last week with inundation, which is a fancy word for the word flood. And the flood takes place in Genesis 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Today, I want you to look at that little tiny city called Ur. You are Ur. Everybody say Ur. Sound like a pirate. Ur. Okay. All right. So Abraham was from that area. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm just kind of summarizing some of this. And, and God or the, the family, they were going to go to Canaan, which is directly, you can see Jerusalem. They were going to go straight across to Jerusalem. The problem is that's all desert. You can't go from Ur to Jerusalem. All right. Uh, you have to go. And what, what Abraham's family did is they they went up the Euphrates River. Now, that's what I would do if I had a choice between crossing hundreds and hundreds of miles of desert back in those days or making my way up the Euphrates River, I would choose the river. How many of you would choose the river? So that's what his family, they go up the river and they get to uh, a place called Haran, uh, which is up there above Aram and and beneath uh, Syria. And that is the place, uh, just so you know, today begins in Haran where God calls Abraham and tells him to go uh, to the land that I will show you, which would be directly south now, down there uh, to the land that we know as the land of Canaan. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want to see your Bibles. I want to see your Bibles. Oh, yeah. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. I want to show you, what chapter did the flood end? Chapter 9. So if you go look at the end of chapter 9, or look at chapter 10, go to chapter 10. You see the verse before that, he died. Last chapter 9, Noah dies. So we're going to be in chapter 12 today. But all of chapter 10, it's just a big long genealogy thing there. Do you see that? And all it's showing you is the, is the timeline, the genealogy between Noah and Abraham. If you go to chapter 11, it's more of the same. You've got one story in there, the Tower of Babel. But after the story of Babel, the last half of chapter 11 is more of that genealogy. So chapter 10 and 11 is the genealogy between Noah and Abraham. Now, that time period is about 1,000 years. Chapters 10 and 11 is 1,000. How do you figure that? Well, you can go through the genealogy. We know how long people lived, and, and we just, you just do the math, and we know other things. So when you skip over chapter 10 and 11, you just skipped 1,000 years. Now, so, well, what was going on during those 1,000 years? People were repopulating the earth. They were being fruitful and multiplying, just like God had asked them to do. So that's what goes on in chapter 10 and 11. So then we come to chapter 12, which which is Abraham, okay? Let's look at verse 1, 2, and 3. We'll just read it. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And then he has some promises. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name, what? Great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And then he says, and all the peoples on this earth will be blessed through you. Chapter 12, and the title of today's sermon, if you look at your sermon notes, is God builds a nation. God begins a nation. Everyone say God begins a nation. Now in your notes, I'm going to give you an overview. These four things take 200 years. It's an overview. And it also covers 
25 chapters of the book of Genesis. Half of the book, okay? So I'm going to give you the four things that happened. Number one, there's a promise that's made to Abraham. You just read it. There's a promise that is made. Number two, laughter. There's going to be some laughter in these 25 chapters. We have the promise of Abraham. We have the laughter of Abraham. Number three, we have the grandson of Abraham, which is Jacob, whose later his name becomes Israel. And then you have the great grandsons of Abraham, which become the 12 tribes of Israel. And there you have 200 years of time, the four most important things that happened, and all God's people said. Now, how much fun was that? All right. Now, look at chapter 12, verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We begin a nation with a man named Abram. It all begins in in chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord saying to Abram, leave your country and your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, I want to go over those promises we read earlier in verse 2 and 3. The first promise is, he said, I will make you into what kind of a nation? A great nation. God actually had Abram look up into the heavens, and he saw all the stars. And God tells Abram that one day your children will outnumber all those stars in the sky. Now, years later, we know that that has been fulfilled. Second thing that he said is, I'm going to bless you. I want you to just picture the hands of God saying to Abram, Abram, I'm going to bless you. And one of the things that I've learned in journaling this year in our anchored uh, journal, as I'm reading through and writing down what I hear God saying, I can't believe how much is in the Bible about God wanting to bless his children if only we live according to the way he wants us to live. It's in there over and over again. And he says, that's part of the promise, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And we know uh, as you study the story that Abram was greatly blessed. Number three, he says, I will make your, your what? Your name great. Now, I just want just to ask you, is there, is there any name more recognizable besides Jesus? Is there any name more recognizable around the world than the name of Abraham? Because Abraham, if you think about it, he's the father of the Jewish nation. He's the father of, of the Jewish people. So all, all Jews know the name of Abraham around the entire world. Then you have uh, for Christianity, who, who is, it's in the Bible, who, who are we studying? We're studying the father of our faith, of the name of Abraham, the man of Abraham. So Abraham is known throughout all the, the Jewish race, and he's known along Christianity. If you're a Christian around the world and you have a Bible, who do you study? You study the life of Abraham. He's also one of the most important names in the religion of Islam. When Abraham jumps ahead of God and has a relationship with a maidservant named Hagar, the son that is born, his name is Ishmael. And Ishmael, if you go down his family tree, is where the prophet Muhammad comes from. All right? So you have the nation of Islam, you have the Jewish nation, and you have Christians around the world. And as as we worship, as we study, it all goes back to this guy named Abraham. So when God said... And this, this, what you're reading here was 4,000 years ago. That's a long time ago. So 4,000 years ago when God says, Oh, Abraham, one more thing I'm going to tell you. I'm going to make your name great. Did God or did God not fulfill that promise? He absolutely did. Number four on that list. He says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. 
And that is why we as Christians, we stand with the nation of Israel because we believe, as it's tied to the Scripture, that those who stand with Israel will be blessed and those who do not stand with Israel will not be blessed. And number five, and this is kind of, you know, I'm just trying to highlight this, that fifth promise was that all the people on earth will be blessed through you. I just want you to write that down and make sure you have that as we go through uh, the rest of this story. Now, four things I want you to know about Abraham. Number one, write this down. He's old. That's number one. Say, how old is he? Well, when this story starts, the beginning of this nation, if you look at verse 4, Genesis 12, verse 4, he's 75 years of age. That's when the story starts. Okay? That's when we start. When God says he's going to start a nation, first part of Genesis, and he says to Abram, "Your, your children will one day outnumber the stars in the sky, you need to understand Abraham is not a spring chicken. He's old and he's childless. His wife is past the childbearing years. Not only is he old, not only is he childless, but he came, if you study Abraham's father, he came from a family of idol worshipers. We learn in Joshua chapter 24 It tells us that Abram's father, Terah, was an idol maker and an idol worshiper. Somehow we think that Abraham just grew up, he was always serving God. No. He grew up with a mom and a dad that were idol worshipers. He's not, Abraham was not the prototype of someone that you would choose to start a new nation. I I just want you to think about that for a minute. If you got to choose, if you were going to if you were going to start a new nation and you had to pick a couple, who are you going to pick to start this new nation? I can just see God explaining this whole thing to the angels. And he says, "You know what? I think I want to start a new nation. We got all those people down there, but I want to start a new people, a new nation." And the angels go, "Oh God, that's a good idea. Who who are you going to pick?" He says, "I want to pick a couple." And the angels go, well, "Who are you going to pick?" How about that couple over there? They belong to Porter Valley Country Club. And, and, the, and the wife, she plays tennis on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, and the husband, he's a go- he golfs over there. And the, they've, got, they've got those two little cute kids. Is that who you're going to pick? And God says, no, not going to pick them. I think I'm going to pick, oh, yeah, that couple over there. And the angels look over there and they go, you mean the couple with the walker? And God says, yes, that's the couple I want to start this whole thing with. And so it's the elderly, infertile couple that God says, I'm going to use you to build this nation. So I want you to write this down. There's a trend. Everyone say the word trend. It's a trend. It's not just Abraham. It's throughout the entire Bible. You're going to see it over as we go through the Bible, over and over and over again, that God always uses the most unlikely people to accomplish his purpose and his will. Abraham was old. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was a slave. Moses stuttered. Gideon was fearful. Samson was proud. Rahab was a prostitute, yet God used her. David was an adulterer, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was rebellious, Naomi was a widow, 
Mary was just a poor teenage girl. Martha was a worry wart. Thomas had his doubts. Peter had that disease. Every time he opened his mouth, he inserted his foot. (laughs) Paul had poor health. The apostle Paul had poor health. Timothy was timid. As we go through the Bible, you're going to see the list goes on and on and on. God always uses the most unlikely of people. When we see here right off the bat, the type of people that God uses to tell his story are people just like you and me. And the question is why? Why does God use a long list of misfits? Why would God use an elderly infertile couple to start a new nation? Because that's what God does. And he does it all for his glory. God used an ex-con from the Nixon administration, a man named Chuck Colson, to launch the largest prison ministry in the world that is still in existence today. God used a woman who was a quadriplegic named Johnny Erickson Tata to teach us the joy that the Lord Jesus Christ can give you in difficult circumstances. God used a blind, deaf, and mute woman named Helen Keller to alter our consciousness about the capacity of people that we would consider to have special needs. When God wanted to remind us that heaven is real, he used a four-year-old boy by the name of Colton. Now in this, we go through this Bible, I want you to know that there's an upper story and a lower story. The upper story is God and his sovereignty doing what God pleases. He's got this, this plan that he's the one in control, but there's a lower story here on earth. The upper story, I believe that everyone already in heaven, in the heavenlies, they already understand the glory of God. But the lower story is that God uses the weak and the least likely so that we might express and give glory to God even though we're here on earth. So for anyone who's here, you feel like you're not qualified. Is there anyone here who you feel like it's too late for you, got... You know, God could never use you. If there's anyone here who thinks, well, I've made too many mistakes. God could never use someone like me. I've, I've messed up my life uh, too, too many times. If there's anyone here who says, well, I don't have the right skill set. Well, guess what? You're exactly the type of people God uses. God chose Abraham and God can work through someone like you. Number two, Abraham gets out of bounds. He steps out of bounds. And if you have your Bibles, you can just turn over to chapter 16 and kind of look through that story. So in chapter 12, Abraham is, you know, Abram, he's probably, he's 75 years of age. By the time you come to chapter 16, he's 85. So 10 years have gone by. And guess what? He and his wife, Sarai, they still don't have a child. They're still childless. And and you can figure why. I mean, he's he's 85. She's, She's 75. And they're getting up there in years. And instead of fully waiting, instead of fully trusting, they overstep the will of God. They, they overstep the boundaries. They step out of bounds. It was Sarai, his wife, who actually proposes to Abram. She says, hey, we're supposed to be the, the father, the parents of a new nation. And we, we, we can't have children. And so Sarai was the one who suggested, I have this maidservant named Hagar and, and maybe we could start the nation through her. And a lot of times when people read through chapter 16, it really is one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. 
A lot of people who are brand new Christians can't figure out, well, well, what kind of a person was that? I just want you to know that the Bible doesn't cover up sin. Yes, it highlights some of the good things that people do, but it also highlights some of the bad things that people do. And so that's what happens in chapter 16. We see Abraham overstep his boundaries. And he and this maidservant, her name is Hagar, they have this son named Ishmael. And I want you to look at chapter 16, verse 12. Skip to verse 12. He, they're talking about Ishmael. I want you to see how the Bible describes this boy. It says that he, Ishmael, will be a wild donkey of a man. That's an interesting way to explain your son. But this is not just a boy in his terrible threes. This is a man. He will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone. And everyone's hand will be against him. And the Bible says that he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Now, what you need to understand is that when Abraham and Sarah finally have a child, that is where the Jewish race comes from. When Abram oversteps and has a relationship with Hagar, and they have this son named Ishmael, that that's where all the Arabs come from. And even today, and you can write this down, centuries of hostility. It's been going on for 4,000 years. The Arabs fighting with the Jews, the Jews in hostility with the Arabs. Now, not, that's not true for all Jews and all Arabs, but generally speaking, even today, you have this little tiny nation of Israel, if you ever look at it on a map, and it's surrounded by these giant countries, Arab countries. And you read about it every single day, if you don't have your head buried in the sand, of the hostility between the Jews and the Arabs. That, that guy up there in Iran who's calling for the destruction of Israel, he's an Arab. He comes from the lineage of Ishmael. And again, as they do their family tree from Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael, eventually comes the prophet Muhammad and, and the nation of Islam. And, and I'm just telling you that this verse that you read is, you're seeing it today, 4,000 years later. And if the Lord doesn't come back for another 4,000 years, guess what? They're going to be in hostility for the next 4,000 years. And so what happens next is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. And I want you to write this down. He's old, he's out of bounds, but then he becomes obedient. And this is all because I believe of the sovereignty of God. I want you to turn to chapter 17 quick. So go to chapter 17. Verse 1 in your Bible. The Bible says that Abram is now, how old is he? He's 99! How old was he when this story started? He was 75. He's almost 100. So this is 25 years later. That's a long time. He's 99. And the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, Abraham. Hey, hey, hey you've messed up. You stepped out of bounds. I want you to live blameless. He says, you got to live right, Abraham. And then verse 2. He reconfirms what he said 25 years earlier. I will reconfirm my covenant between me and you. I, I know you don't believe this, but I'm going to greatly increase your numbers. And if you read through chapter 17, which I don't have time today, he goes back over all those same promises that your numbers will increase. You'll become the father of many nations. Your name 
Uh, he actually turns his name from Abram to Abraham. He says, you'll be fruitful. And then he, in chapter 17, he gives him the promise of the land. I'm going to give you all this land. But then he makes one more promise to this 99-year-old guy. Look down at verse 16, chapter 17, verse 16. He says, I'm going to bless her, Sarah, and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations and kings of people will come from her. If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God, and prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.